Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is May 5th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block and we're going to talk a little bit more about the parable of the prodigal son. We finished yesterday with the son returning home and the father running out to meet him and greeting him. End of story, right? Happy ending. There it is. Ta-da. All done. Wrong. The Savior continues. There is more to this story. Starting in verse 21, it says, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. I love this reaction of the father. It's interesting. Remember last week I talked about talking to my friend who has left the church and he was asking me why I think people leave. And then he said he thinks that sometimes people leave because they imagine a heavenly father who is angry and spiteful and vengeful and how it's hard to want to show up and worship a God that doesn't feel loving and compassionate. Now, what I love about this story is that the son returns home to the father and he is ready to accept the father's wrath right? He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but let me be a servant. He wants to accept less than what the father's actually willing to give. Last week when I was telling that story, I quoted Joseph Smith when he says that heavenly father is far more liberal in his views and generous in his mercies and blessings than we are ready to believe or receive. And that's exactly how this son must have been feeling. He couldn't see his father being liberal and generous in his mercy. He wasn't ready to receive those kind of blessings or that kind of welcome. Instead, he wanted to accept far less than what the Father was actually willing to give. And do we often do that as well? As we come to ourselves and as we change and as we turn and as we try to repent, do we sometimes imagine a Father who is less than merciful, less than loving, less than willing to forget and forgive all so that we can just return to his love and his presence? Do we sometimes behave like this prodigal son and say, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son, but let me just be your servant instead? If so, we would do well to remember the absolute prodigal love and mercy of this father and his willingness to give in abundance all the grace and mercy and love in his possession. Now, with that being said and understood, listen to what Elder Holland says about this story and about what happens next. He says, being caught up in this younger son's story, we can miss, if we're not careful, the account of an elder son. For the opening line of the Savior's account reads, a certain man had two sons, and he might have added, both of whom were lost and both of whom needed to come home. The younger son has returned, a robe has been placed on his shoulders and a ring on his finger. When the younger son comes onto the scene, He has been dutifully, loyally working in the field, and now he is returning. The language of the parallel journeys home, though from very different locations, is central to this story. So here, one son is returning from a far-off country, and one son is returning from exactly where he was meant to be or supposed to be. He's returning from working in his father's fields. Listen to what it says. Now his elder son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, 
and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Now a couple things stand out to me in the son's reaction. First of all, the fact that he says, look, I've done everything, and you've never given me the things that you're giving this other son makes me wonder the motivations of his heart. Did he obey? Did he follow? Did he do everything he meant to do because he loved his father? Or did he do it because he was hoping for something in return? As we strive to follow our father in heaven, as we strive to keep the commandments, as we strive to do everything that's been asked of us, this calls into question our motivation. Do we do those things because we love the father, because we want to draw closer to him? Or do we do it because we're hoping for something in return? If our hearts are in the right place, then we can rejoice in others coming to the gospel and receiving blessings from our Father in heaven as well. If our hearts are in the right place, if we're motivated by love for our Father in heaven, then we can rejoice in our Father in heaven's joy in finding his lost souls. Elder Holland goes on to explain what we can learn from this older son. It's kind of a longer quote, but it's super good. He says, This son is not so much angry that the other has come home as he is angry that his parents are so happy about it. Feeling underappreciated and perhaps more than a little self-pity, this dutiful son, as he is wonderfully dutiful, forgets for a moment that he has never had to know filth or despair, fear or self-loathing. He forgets for a moment that every calf on the ranch is already his, and so are all the robes in the closet and every ring in the drawer. He forgets for a moment that his faithfulness has been and always will be rewarded. No, he who has virtually everything and who has in his hardworking, wonderful way earned it, lacks the one thing that might make him the complete man of the Lord he nearly is. He has yet to come to the compassion and mercy, the charitable breadth of vision to see that this is not a rival returning, it is his brother. Certainly this younger brother had been a prisoner, a prisoner of sin, stupidity, and a pigsty, but the older brother lives in some confinement too. He has, as yet, been unable to break out of the prison himself. He is haunted by the green-eyed monster of jealousy. He feels taken for granted by his father and disenfranchised by his brother when neither is the case. He has fallen victim to a fictional affront. Brothers and sisters, I testify that no one of us is less treasured or cherished of God than another. I testify that he loves each of us, insecurities, anxieties, self-image and all. He doesn't measure our talents or our looks. He doesn't measure our professions or our possessions. He cheers on every runner calling out that the race is against sin, not against each other. I know that if we will be faithful, there is a perfectly tailored robe of righteousness ready and waiting for everyone, robes made white in the blood of the Lamb. 
may we encourage each other in our effort to win that prize is my earnest prayer. My friends, the beautiful thing that the second son teaches us is what happens when we make comparison our go-to mode rather than charity or love. Had this brother been filled with charity and compassion, he would have rejoiced with his father. He would have seen the joy that his father had. He would have let the love for his brother guide his actions. But instead, he let envy and pride and comparison destroy the joy that he could have felt. Now, the fascinating thing is that the parable ends there. We don't know what happens. We don't know if the brother changes his mind. We don't know if he eventually goes into the house. We don't know if he embraces his brother. We don't know if he leaves the farm. We just don't know. But what I love here is remembering the purpose why this parable was taught. The Savior taught this parable because the scribes and the Pharisees were complaining that he loved the sinners too much. Truly, those scribes and the Pharisees were the older brother in this story, and they would have understood that. My friends, we can avoid falling into the traps of this older brother as we pray for the pure love of Christ to fill our hearts and our lives so that we can rejoice in other successes and let go of the sins of pride, envy, and comparison. When we do, joy will fill our lives and love will fill our hearts, and we will be one step closer to loving as Christ loves. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.